0: Y'all know that song? Anyway, it's the same guitar lick. Um, Happy Father's Day. That's the extent of the Father's Day part of the message. Um, I do this thing kind of as a father, but uh, to to challenge young people, um, never, ever, if I can just challenge you, never, ever, ever, ever drive by a lemonade stand. Always stop and give those kids money. Like, even if you only have a couple of bucks, just just give them the that's in your car, because uh, this happened yesterday. And it just reminded me, hey, I it's like, I'm going to say something about that tomorrow. These little girls had this lemonade stand over in downtown New Braunfels or just off the side. And I was cutting through a neighborhood and they were they were jumping up and down, holding up their signs. And they were like, lemonade, lemonade. And so I was like looking around I'm like, I don't have any money. And uh, and so I, I found a couple of dollars and I, I said, all right, come here. And so they came up to the window. Their parents, smart parents, were sitting on the porch watching the whole thing go down. And I said, whose idea was this business? And she's like, mine. And so I'm talking to them I'm like, hey, that's really smart. So whenever you work, you you earn money. And that's what's really smart of you to start at a young age. And so I gave them money, and they were so happy. to turn. around, we got $2! And they're yelling, it's great. Look, you, you can very easily change the course of a way a child sees work. It's a good thing. To, to challenge them, at especially at a very young age. So, dads, speak to your kids. Speak life to your kids. Challenge them in ways that that you want them to go. And I'm telling you, you put that in there, and it'll come out just the right time when they need it. Amen? So, happy Father's Day. That's the end of the Father's Day part of the message. Welcome to Life Church. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I, uh, I, I'm going to do a culture update, but... I have to warn you, it's a little more it's a little more direct than normal, okay? Um, I'm going to say names is all that means. Uh, usually, I'll try to just, I mean, you know who I'm talking about. If you're connected, you know what I'm talking about. But today, I'm just going to say names. So I'm going to give you some facts, and I'm going to try not to give my opinion. Where it is that I see that I'm giving my opinion, I'll try to tell you first. Um, and also, if you feel like I'm giving my opinion on part of it, wait till after service. I need to say that out loud. And then you can come and tell me, hey, this part was your opinion. And it's fine. Like, you won't offend me. I promise. Um, and then, but I, I know most of you, most of you are like, you didn't go hard enough. So, all right, whatever. So, whatever, you wear those. So, let me give you something. This is what people say all the time whenever I bring up uh, politics or current events or stuff. People tell me this all the time. Look, just like this. There's no reason to talk about it. Can't do anything about it. So, let me give you some facts on some stuff that's been kind of going down in our in our culture. In 2016, I'm going to go way back. 2016, um, someone, if you follow along, you'll know, someone had a bunch of classified emails and they took hammers and smashed the hard drives and the phones and everything that these emails were on, that, which, that was an illegal, very clearly an illegal act, okay? Um, so, when President Trump came in to office, um, he did not lock her up. Lock her up, which was the chant during the his his rallies. Was like people were saying, "Lock her up." Lock her. They're talking about locking up the person that I'm not gonna tell you who it is. Okay, you don't know. They're talking about locking up the person that um, did this thing. Okay, look, I'm giving you facts. These are facts. Okay, I'm not I haven't given you my opinion yet, but I'm gonna. So uh, they said they said lock. Her. And then he said his quote was, "I don't think that that would be wise." because I think that will divide the country even more. He said that on November 22nd, 2016. I think that will divide the country even more than it's already divided, so I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to fulfill a campaign promise that I made. I'm against that. You should fulfill the campaign promises. That's why you got elected. So regardless, whether he did that or not, whatever. So let's fast forward. On August 8th of last year, Donald Trump's home was raided by a bunch of agents and they took classified documents that he had in his home that according to what he says, he he being the president was legally allowed to declassify those documents. He said he declassified those documents. Whether that's true or not is still, that's kind of what is up for debate. But he says he did that, which as the president, you're allowed to do that, legally allowed to do that. And so they said you were that he was storing classified documents in an illegal way. Now look, they have been trying to um, they being the opposition to Donald Trump has been trying to get him for a long time. There was no, there's no one out there that's currently saying that he had these classified documents because he was doing something evil or nefarious with them. None of them that are that hate him are even saying this that he was trying to sell secrets to other countries or anything like that. okay So November 2nd, of last year once this whole thing starts to gain steam with with the trump documents they found they being the lawyers of the current president found um, classified documents in a penn state office of, of biden's penn state office and also in his garage which would be probably not a secure location um i don't know how secure his garage is but um he has a son that was there so anyway uh we're not going to talk about that. So uh, uh, there the people that are in opposition to uh, to Trump have continually said, um, and and I I want to be really clear, this opinion. I'm not a big Trump fan. The guy is not, the, he's not a Christian. He's not a morally upstanding guy. But when you look at, like, you, you ever go into a restaurant, you're like, I don't want to eat anything here. And then you're like, but it's dinner time, so I got to eat something. That's how I feel. <laughs> you got to vote for someone like, you know, so regardless. So uh, so they they the people that are opposing him are continually saying, well, it's not the same thing. Like Biden having those documents is not the same thing. Or uh, uh, or Mike Pence having those documents, it's not the same thing. They're right that it's not the same thing. The documents that Trump had, he was legally allowed to have. The documents that Senator Biden had was never legally allowed to have those documents. And I'm not giving you my opinion. These are factual things. OK, I'm not giving you my opinion yet. I'm going to, though. OK, I'm just keep warning you. Um, so um, he, he he did not legally possess the clearance to have those documents that they found in his possession. OK, so on June 8th, which was 10 days ago, Donald Trump was federally indicted to... Uh, by the leading political opposition. So they're like, hey, this is stuff that happens in third world countries where they, you know, in, I wasn't even going to say this, but in, in a country called uh, Ukraine, a guy got elected into power named Zelensky. I don't know if you ever heard this name before. When he gets elected into power, he, he immediately arrests the opposition and he closes, down, he closes down Christian churches everywhere, and he, and he arrests the guy that was his opposition, and he closes down the media, all the media that was opposing him. He closed down the Fox News of, of, of Ukraine, okay? So this is stuff that happens in other countries. It's not stuff that happens in America, the land of the free and the home of the brave. This is not stuff that happens here. So um, what they did, they, they went through all of these things, and again, I'm not a Donald Trump fan, okay? But they they went through uh, multiple impeachments that didn't stick because there was no legal precedent there. It was just we don't like him. We're going to get after him for something. So the whole failed Russia thing that was no, they they did a, an extensive investigation and they found absolutely nothing that would be indict him that would be against Trump. They actually found a lot of stuff that would be against the people that wanted the investigation in the first place. So regardless, and that a little bit of opinion there. Okay, so um. What I believe, here's here's my opinion. What I believe is if the law is broken, there should be consequences. I don't care who does it. I don't care if it's you. If it's you, I want you to go to jail. I love you. I love you. I want to extend grace to you. But if the law is broken, then it should be, it should be doled out. The consequences of the law should be doled out equally to everyone that breaks the law. Are you all for that? Okay, so for some reason in our country... Lady Justice who holds the scale of justice and has this blindfold is like peeking. Like what is uh who is this that's breaking the law this time? And it's not equal. That's my problem. That the law is not equal. If somebody has the the values that go against the people that are in power, then they look for ways to go after them. We know that from people in our church. Okay? So and they're saying yes, thank you right now. So, uh <laughs> <laughs> what what we want is we want equal justice like if if the law is broken then then there should be consequences of that for everyone so why even talk about it this phrase drives me absolutely bananas when i hear christians say well there's nothing we can do about it that is coming from an ignorant christian that doesn't understand the power of prayer prayer is real the power of jesus is real And he wants to come in and work on behalf of his children, which is us. He wants to come and do some miracles on our behalf. And so all we have to do is continually invite him in to do that. And he wants to move on our behalf. And so people say, well, we just we really can't do something can be done and something should be done. And that thing is for us to be praying for our country. That thing is for us believers, Bible believers to be praying for our leaders, to be praying for our future, to be praying for our kids over and over every single day, praying for our kids because we're not going to allow the culture to come and take our kids, not on our watch. Like, I'll die if that happens. Like, I will literally stand in front of a bullet for our children. We have to be people that are standing up for truth no matter what. Amen? So, previously, on the Gospel of John, so we need to change gears. Y'all got me excited, okay? I need to change gears. We're on the Thursday evening before Jesus is crucified. And look, side note, if I offended you because I talked about politics, you obviously are not going to like our church. So thank you for visiting. (laughs) we'll miss you. Um, I'm always worried that someone's going to get up and walk out while I'm talking about something like that. I understand it's not it's not common um it should be pastors should be speaking truth um and and I'm try I try not to give my opinion and I know that I, I and I try really hard because I have very strong opinions about a lot of this but I have to I have to I can't I can't stand before I can't imagine at the end of my life standing before Jesus and him saying, why did you miss that' Why did you miss the opportunity to speak the truth to the people that needed to hear it? It's not going to be me. Like, uh, I'll miss you when you leave and you're offended because I said Donald Trump and and Joe Biden. I almost said Jose Biden. That's weird. Uh, Joe Biden out out loud at church. Like, okay, like, love you. Deuces. Uh, So. So we're a Thursday night. Jesus is going to be crucified the next day, um, also known as five months from now. Um, and uh, because that's when we'll get to that. Just so you know, it takes a long time. I had a friend yesterday. He said, Hey, do you televise your sermons? And I said, Televise? How old? He's younger than me. I was like, How old are you? Hey, Grandpa, did he televise? Like, no, the, the news cameras, the TV cameras are not in here. Like, we do stream our services, if that's what you're asking. And he said, Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. I said, Here. And I sent him the podcast. And he said, No, no, no. Don't send me your greatest hits. He's like, I want to crit- criticize you. Don't send me your greatest hits. And I said, Look, None of them are great. None of them are good like just, You can listen to it. Pick one. I don't care which one. And so he, he texted me 10 minutes later. And he said, listen, I opened a podcast and you're on message 57. He's like, that's I've never heard of a series going that long. I said, we're on 58 this week and we're only in chapter 13. So I just so you know, it's going to be a long time. And I said, but this is what we do. I said, I preach expositionally. We go through the Bible verse by verse. If we didn't do that, I would skip over the things that I don't want to talk about, and I would not talk about controversial things because there are a lot of controversial things in the Bible. I would skip those things because it's way easier to to preach messages that are not offensive. It's way easier to do that, but I, I know me. I'm just telling you, I know me, and I would do that, so I can't. If I skipped one verse—this happened before—I accidentally, not on purpose— I when we were going to First Corinthians, I had the the scriptures, and then I missed a verse, which was it was a very inconsequential verse. I missed a verse, and then the next week it was the next set of verses, and I missed the one verse, and like three people came to me and said, "Why did you skip that verse? What are you doing? Why are you skipping that verse? Why are you why are you trying to skip stuff?" I was like, "That's that was an accident. I'm so sorry." So I know what'll happen for because y'all are so mean to me, and so I said I said we just kind of walked through it like that, and I said, "What's amazing is the Holy Spirit." does all the work he speaks to us it doesn't matter i've have been absolutely floored that as we're going through the gospel of john that was written thousands of years ago um, it still has relevance to us today like in this moment literally in the week that we go through that scripture it applies to our life that week i, I just had this idea that like it seems like the word of god is living and active it's sharper than I don't know, any two-edged sword. I just made that up. Okay, so somewhere it's somewhere it came to my mind. So, uh, so Judas, uh, Jesus shows Judas love. Jesus, uh, and then Judas rejects Jesus' love, and then Judas leaves to go literally make the final arrangements for Jesus' arrest. Um, they're going to indict Jesus illegally. I don't know what that means. So, I wait real quick. I saw a sign this past week that said, if Jesus had guns, he would still be alive. And I was like, did you read the book? That's not true. People. People can just, people are crazy. So when he had gone out, Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. This is the path to glory. We tend to look at this moment in history and think of it as one of the darkest moments. Whenever I first became a Christian, I could not understand why Christians called it Good Friday. The day that Jesus was crucified is called Good Friday. I could never like I don't get it. It's it's not good. It's very not good. It's good for us. It's real good for us. It's not good for Jesus. Jesus saw this his betrayal as the moment that he's going to be glorified. So he saw his betrayal as, as glory. You know the song, The Wonderful Cross? The Wonderful Cross? Y'all know the song? It's an old hymn. The Wonderful Cross. Wonderful Cross. He says, bids me come and die that, and find that I may truly live. The way that we can truly live is through the Wonderful Cross. The cross is wonderful, and Jesus connects his glory with his betrayal. That's the only way he can be glorified. He tells us later in uh, chapter 17, he says, I have glorified you on earth. He's talking to God. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. For Jesus, it was all about doing what he came to do and finishing the race well. Jesus came to earth for one reason. And that reason is to be the sacrifice for our sin. It's our sin that separates us from the per- a perfect and holy God. It's, and that is the only way. Look, when people say, I hear Christians say all the time, look, all sin is the same. All sin is not the same. Okay? Are y'all with me? All sin is the same in that a lie, one single lie in your entire life, or a murder spree, is equal in the fact, and only equal in the fact, that it separates you from God. God does not see all sin the same. We need to be clear on that. That's like church tradition says that. The Bible doesn't say that. Church tradition says all sins the same. God sees all sin the same. No, he does not. If you murder someone, there's more there's different consequences than if you if you get pulled over by the police officer, God forbid, you get pulled over by the police officer and the police officer says, Do you know how fast you were going? And you do know how fast you were going? And you say, No. That's a lie. Like you just lied. That's not equal to going and murdering people, okay? All sin is not equal. All sin is equal in the fact that it separates you from God. The The smallest thing you've ever done that violates the Word of God is enough to separate you from God for all eternity because the only way you can be in the presence of a perfect and holy God is if you are perfect and holy yourself. Can you do that all by yourself? Can you be perfect and holy? No, none of us can. All have fallen short of the glory of God. The only way we can be seen as perfect and holy is through the blood of Jesus, is if God sees us through the lens of Jesus. That's the only way. For anyone in all of history to be able to be in the presence of a perfect and holy God, Jesus has to be the avenue that they get there. Amen? So um, he came to make a way for mankind to be reconciled to God I'm dying in our place because of our sin. So 13, little children. I absolutely love it when Jesus talks to us in these terms of endearment. Of, he says, little children. He's calling his disciples, talking to his disciples here. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you. This, way back in John chapter eight, he said the same thing. He said, I'm going away, and you will seek me, and you will, and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. What's crazy is, he's talking to the disciples, and the disciples have the exact same questions that the Jews have. Even though he's been telling them all along, hey, the, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He's telling them over and over where he's going. And they're like, where's he going? Where is he going? Why, why is he leaving? And then he says, listen, every Christian should memorize this verse. Every single one of you should have this verse burned into your memory. Jesus says, a new command I give you that you love one another. For I has loved you as I have loved you, so you should love one another. Just like I loved you, you should love each other. Whenever they ask Jesus, see, this is this is called the royal law or the new, when he says a new command, this sums up everything in the Bible. Every every commandment that we're given, if we follow this law, this one rule right here, you won't break any of the commandments. You don't have to worry about lying. If you lie, then you're not loving someone the way Jesus loved them. Every single one of the commandments is summed up right here. When they asked Jesus, they said, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? I've done all the things— What's the most important commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Do everything you can. Love the Lord with every ounce of your your being. And also, love your neighbor as yourself. And so the guy, I don't know if y'all have ever seen anybody do this, but he tries to weasel out of it. He's like, okay, fine, I get it. Who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor, Jesus? Like, if you want me to love my neighbor, because he's, he's like, I don't have to love everyone, Okay. I just want to love my neighbor. If I can just, so tell me who my neighbor is. We would never try to weasel our way out, right? Whenever, whenever we, we hear like, we're supposed to love our neighbor. You know, you're supposed to love your neighbor, right? Wow. Hey, uh, all right. If you're asleep, I need you to wake up. I got a question for you. I'm going to give you a second to answer. Okay. Because apparently you also think slow or something. Um. You know, you're supposed to love your neighbor. Yeah, we. I think we all know we're supposed to love our neighbor, and so whenever we think of that, we think, "Well, I mean, our neighbor is everyone. We're supposed to love everyone." You know, that's not what this means. It's not what so we think. Oh, I just want to love the people in Australia. I love my neighbor in Australia. It's so easy to love those people down under. It's so easy to love those people way over there. G'day, mate. It's so easy because they're far off. What if, like, we believe that the God of creation, that created everything, he put the earth exactly on its axis to the exact degree that human life could be sustained. It spins at the exact correct speed so that we don't fly off into space. Every single part of how the earth is situated, where it tilts and goes back and forth, it, it is perfect for our seasons. It makes everything for us to live absolutely perfectly. The human eye has like 10,000 parts. Every part works together perfectly so that you can see and process information in your brain so that you know exactly what's going on around you and protects you. God did all of that, but my next door neighbor lives next to me by accident. Seriously. Do you know the house that you live in was something that God knew was going to happen? The person that lives next to, the person you share, you know who your neighbor is? The person you share a property line with. That's your neighbor. And when he says, love your neighbor, he means to love the person that you share a property line with. The person that that lives next to, see, now, now you're like, oh, that's a little hard. That's why it's a commandment. He doesn't command you to like eat chocolate cake. That's easy. He commands you to love your neighbor, the person that lives directly next door to you. The person that keeps leaving their garbage cans in your yard. The person that lets their dog poop all over your driveway. Like that's the one he's saying, love your neighbor. He knew what he was doing. Do you know what would happen in America if every Christian would love, would go, would would make it a point to walk outside and love the person who lives right here? Love the person who lives right here and love the person who lives right there. Do you know what would happen? Immediately. Every church in America would be full. Every church in America. I'm not saying some. Every church in America would be full. But if Christians were just doing what they were very clearly commanded to do. When he says love your neighbor, we try to weasel out. like, uh, Who's my neighbor? I don't want to have to love everyone. It's just who's my neighbor? It's the person that you you work with. You talk to every single day. It's the person that, that you share a property line with. And so... Right now, I know that what I just said, the person next door and the person next door and the person right across, and you immediately thought, what about this person? I don't have to love them, right? Like, can I get out of that a little angle? Like, they're not my neighbor, the angle. What about two houses down? Just love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Love the ones that are hard to love. Um, I've said many times, invite people to your table before you invite them to your church. What I mean by that, I'm not saying you actually have to. Some of y'all are like really weird about having people in your house. Fine. What I really mean is invite people into your life before you invite them to life's church. I feel like that's way better than y'all are giving me credit for. <laughs> that's like high quality preaching there. Invite people into your life that you're involved. You go to their kids' games. Like, when you go to somebody's kids' games, like, they know you love them. Like, that's how you show them. Go have coffee. Like, be part of their life. And then, when it comes up, invite them to church. Some of y'all start off with, invite them to church. And sometimes they go, and it's great. I love that. But maybe you should gain some credibility first. And then invite them to church. Okay? Jesus' command was to love, uh, Jesus' command to love was telling us to be like him. He was saying, this isn't coming, like it's not a command, that's coming from someone who didn't already do this. He's saying, I did this, I do this, so be like me. Love one another as I have loved you, so you should love one another. And they came, and they they lived with Jesus for three and a half years, and they're still like, well, what does that mean? Who's my neighbor? Like, do I have to live everyone? Yes, yes, you do. That's for you. Yes, you do. So he goes on to say, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is something that I think our church is, is good at. Not perfect, but good at. We are good at loving one another. I think we're good at, at making people, when they come into church, feel welcomed. Right? Yeah, th- I think that that's something that we actually we actually get right. Um, there's plenty of things we get wrong. We got to get rid of that preacher. Okay. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I want to be very clear. Um, whenever you think about our culture, what do you think our what do you think Christians are known for in our culture? Disney, Starbucks, Target? <laughs> yeah, we're, you know what we're known for? We're known for the things we hate. We're known for the things that we're boycotting. And I'm not against that because there's some, some evil things going on. But I don't think that's, Jesus said the, the way that people should know, all will know that you belong to me by the way that you love one another, by the way that you are with other Christians. We should be leaving our mark, our impression on people. And I think we're leaving the wrong impression on people. We should be known for the people that we love instead of the people that we hate. Many Christians, um, even believe that Christianity is about things that we don't do instead of things that we do um like we're people that hate that, that hate homosexuals we hate Muslims we hate atheists that's not that's not what Christianity is at all well, you know Christianity is is kind of boiled down to who do we vote for it's so much about who we vote for there are many churches that are politically based. And you may think, like this is the first sermon you've ever heard me preach, you may think, wow, they're they're political there. I don't think I gave politics. I said some things that were happening that were that are that are going against the law. That's my opinion. And of of course there are politicians involved in it, but it's not political. This is we're looking at we're looking at everything through the lens of truth. Everything, no matter what it is. I was actually asked about a year ago to speak at an event where there was a guy that is a very famous, probably the most famous, political, politically driven uh, preacher in America. Um, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but he's very famous. If I said his name, you would know it. So um, I turned it down. I was like, "No, thanks. I don't, I don't want to." It would have put our church on the map. The seats would probably be full, um, but it would be the wrong map. I don't want to be on that map. I don't want to have to retrain everyone to to be a um, a Christian nationalist or a Christian patriot, I would I would rather see all these people are patriots and they're Christians.' They're, they're Americans and they're Christians. Life church, we're Christians and then we're other things. We are Christians first. We are Christians most. So we follow Christ first. We look at everything in our lives, through the lens of the Bible, not through the lens of the Constitution. That's not first. That's important, but it's not first. I feel like y'all were with me, and now I'm wondering. God calls us to speak up and to be salt and light, so we're supposed to speak truth. And I believe that as Americans, we have the right, the privilege, and the duty to be involved in politics, to be vote, to be voting. To, to know what's going on in our culture. But many people think that Christianity is all about voting Republican. And it is so much more than that. What we need to do is we need to find out what God is saying for us to do, and we need to do that thing. Whatever it is, in any realm that we're involved in, we need to find out what the Word says, and then we need to find out what God is leading us personally to do, and we need to go and do that thing. We should follow the truth of God's Word as closely as possible. Just because someone doesn't vote how you vote doesn't mean that they're not a Christian. That's really, really hard for most of you that are hearing me say this to believe. How can someone be a Democrat? They're on a different scale. They're looking at that differently than you look at it. I don't know if you know this, but there are different ways to see issues than the way that you see it. You see everything that you do and say, you see your news source as the only one that's the right news source and all the other ones are wrong. Maybe so, probably not. You have to trust the Bible, the word of God, and see everything through that. The mark we're supposed to be leaving on the world is love, period. Not hate. Like, oh, I hate you because you did this or it's your fault to countries like this or whatever. Jesus said that this is what the world should look at us and they should know that we belong to him because of the way that we love each other. Love one another as I have loved you. How did Jesus love his disciples? We can look in this chapter alone, chapter 13, when we see how he, he interacted with them. If we didn't know anything else about Jesus, but we just had John chapter 13, we would we would know how Jesus lived. The first thing, I have three different things, The first, and they're in yellow, so you'll know which one to really pay attention to. Um, the first thing that Jesus did in the way that he showed love for his disciples and the way that we're supposed to show love for others is humility. He had he loved through humility. His whole focus of, of what he was doing in chapter 13 at the, at the Last Supper was in humility. He performed the role of a servant. He washed the feet of the disciples. We can lose sight of what humility really means because when we think of being humble, we think of it as like, Oh, shucks. I'm worthless. That was kicking rocks. I'm worthless. Like, we think of humility as just being like a, having a, no personal value at all. So, when someone says, Hey, thanks for doing that, you're like, Oh, I, I, don't thank me. Thank the Lord. It's like, you know, I don't, I've told you all this many times. I don't think, I don't like it when you come and say, It's not that I don't like it. I, I understand why you're doing it. And it's good for you to be encouraging, but I don't need you to say, Good job to me. I don't need you to thank me. When you do that, you know what I do? I don't say, oh, it was the Lord. It's not, I didn't do anything. Was, I did something. Like I studied a lot. I made the slideshow. Like I did that. I read my Bible a bunch. And then I'd like, I had to come up here and get dressed. I had to wear clean clothes. I don't do that on Sundays. It's the only day I do that. And so I was like, so what I do is I do this crazy thing. When you say thank you, I say, thanks. See that? That was the whole thing. I was, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Like, I, it's good for you to encourage. I know why you're doing that. Um, but what you're really attracted to is not me. It's not that, even though, obviously, I'm extremely attracted. Ah, um, uh, <laughs> uh, so funny. See how that? I have impeccable comedic timing, okay? So, w- b- so, anyway, t- lost my place. The, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. You, what you're attracted to is not me. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit because I'm not doing it. Like, I get to come up here and do, I have no idea. I try to prepare what I'm going to say. I have notes and I have slides and I know most of what I'm going to, or a lot, not most, a lot of what I'm going to say. And then I just come up here and it's like, all right, Lord, and do your thing because it's going to be wild. And then I say some things and then, like, when I get done, honestly, the Lord's like, that wasn't me. Remember last week when I said fart? And like, people got so mad. They're like, I got emails. You said poop at church. They were joking. The emails were joking. So anyway, sorry, kids, if you heard me say poop. The best picture of humility is serving. If you want to know how to be like Jesus, serve. All you have to do is serve. It's so easy. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Last week, I used this uh, scripture that Paul wrote to the, the church in Philippi. And it's this, it's perfect. It's the perfect scripture, scripture for what is it that the when he addressed how is it that we can get along with each other? The best way for us to get along. Christians used to argue back in Bible times. They used to, like they used to a long time ago, they used to argue. And we outgrew that, right? Christians are the worst. The worst people are Christians. And so they, they still They still be arguing. And all we have to do is follow the Bible. He said to the church in Philippi, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. That's so simple. It's so simple. And you think, well, what if I continually am serving, I'm going to get taken advantage of. You can't get taken advantage of if you give it freely. If you're giving yourself freely, how can someone take advantage of it? Well, they'll keep making me serve. Okay, no one's making you serve. You're serving because you want to. You're serving because your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, served. And you're, you want to be just like him. He came and gave his life as a ransom for many. Why don't you do that for a little bit? See how that feels. When you're serving, it's one of the chief reasons for, uh, for division— is when I begin to focus more on my own needs and desires, and I forget about yours. When I'm focused on myself, I'm not looking at you. I don't care about what you have going on. And that happens to us all the time, especially whenever we, we run into this season where we're having the same problem, and it feels like I'm never going to get through this. I'm telling you, the best way to change your, your view of that is to focus on somebody else's problem. If you'll focus on somebody else's problem, your problem will seem like less, even if it's bigger. It'll still seem like less than it does. The love we need, that uh, the love we need for each other, is based on humility, and it's based on serving one another. Right? Humility is the biggest thing. So the second thing is how he handles hurt. Put all those H's because people do that. Um, how he handles hurt. How Jesus handles hurt. Last week we saw how Jesus loved Judas. He gave him the seat of honor at the Last Supper. That's that's huge. He knew that Jesus, that that Judas was going to betray him. So he gives Judas the seed of honor. Not only that, but he covered his sins. He didn't tell all the other disciples. They did they had no idea who was going to betray him. And and he he did this, this uh thing, this cultural thing of friendship when he gives him the bread that he dipped. Like that's just he's continually showing love. And and Jesus did he handled the hurt in a loving way. And Peter said this he said, Above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. When you find yourself being frustrated with a person, if you can change your lens that you're seeing that person through and see that person through a loving lens, I'm telling you, it'll change everything about, the little things they do won't aggravate you as much. You'll still have to grow through that, but they won't aggravate you as much. So how do you handle it when people hurt you or when people uh, people let you down? Like What do you do when a leader lets you down? What do you do when someone hurts you? I can tell you what I do. I keep people at a distance. If somebody hurts me, I'm like, okay, I'm done with them. Like I'm, I am can talk to you. I can be friendly with you, but I don't want really to have anything to do with you, really. Like, I'm finished. Anybody else like that? Like, they, they get one chance, and then when they hurt you once, you're done. How does that work out with forgiveness? It doesn't. <laughs> you're right. It doesn't. So... What do we do? Do we just keep going and getting hurt over and over and over? No, no. You can once you exhaust the forgiveness, how many times do you have to forgive your brother? Seventy times seven? See, that's four. I know y'all don't act like you've never tried to do that math. Okay. I know that you tried to walk on water at the pool one time and you've done the math on this one. Like you're like, okay, that's four hundred that's a lot. So I, can probably, I could probably exhaust that. Like wives, I could probably exhaust that with my husband. Today. <laughs> I know how y'all be. So we, we want to keep people off at a distance. Jesus didn't do that. Did he? No, he, what Jesus did is he, he pulled them close. And he gave himself freely. We can do, this is what we need to do. In Ephesians he says, be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. If you will think about all the things that you've been forgiven of, it's way easier to forgive other people. It's not easy. Forgiving other people is not easy, but it's easier. And now I want to be clear. I'm not saying keep going back. People punch you in the face and you're like, okay, give me another, please. Like that's not that's not what it's about. There are some people that you legitimately do need to keep at arm's length but that doesn't mean hate them. You got to guard your heart against that hate. Even if you think that hate is righteous hate, that hate doesn't affect them. You're drinking the poison and thinking it's affecting them, and it's only affecting you. You got to work through the forgiveness, and forgiveness is a process. I've told y'all many times I've had to work through forgiveness, forgiving people a bunch, and it's a process. It doesn't happen once. I've gone from praying for for people through gritted teeth and angry, like, oh, forgive them, God. I forgive them. i and it turned into prayer for love. Like, I, I, I love these people again, and I don't know when it happened. I, I actually love them again, and I prayed for their good. And, and that only happens through working through the process of forgiveness. You have to forgive. Whenever you understand how much you've been forgiven, you will be able to forgive, right? The third way, the last way, is sacrifice. He sacrificed. Jesus sacrificed for the people that he was called to love. Ultimately, Jesus will display the greatest act of love that's ever happened in the history of humanity. And he's going to lay down his life for his disciples. Um, And this happens in John chapter 15, which I looked and I tried to figure out how many sermons that is from now. We're in chapter 13 and that's in two months. Okay. So I just want you to know we're going to get through John. I promise one day. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Wouldn't it be cool if one day when you're standing before Jesus, he looks at you and he said, you did it like me. You did it just like me. You you nailed it. Good job. I'm so proud of you. Not for the people that are easy to love. Like, not for me. Like, y'all love me. I'm easy to love. I'm talking about for the people that are hard to love, like me. Those are the ones that, that that take sacrifice to love. It's like when you're running, you going to hurt. John, the Apostle John, he would write 60 years later, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for each other. See, we want to take a bullet. We want to die for someone. We're very easy. You would die for your next door neighbor. You would probably, most of you in here, If somebody were to come in and you could stop your next door neighbor from getting killed by getting killed yourself, I believe that most of you in here would gladly do that. You, however, will not go and help them clean the dog poo out of their yard. You won't love them in that way because that's like, oh, no. See, you'll die for them, but you won't live for them. That's way harder. It's way harder to live and, and love other people. But you'll take a bullet. Yeah, give me the bullet. Cause I want to go see Jesus anyway, so it's like helping. So give me the bullet. We have to leave that mark on others. and I pray that the mark of love and sacrifice is what life church is known for. that people that call this their home, that, that love is what we are known for. That's what it is all about for us. and that, that really what I want when people hear about our church, I want them to, to immediately think, oh those people, they love the community. They love the the people that, they love the people in the church. They love Jesus. They love each other and they love us. That's what I want people to know about us. So John uh, 36, he says, uh, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. He's like, Peter completely ignores. Jesus says, a new command I give you. You've had all these commands all throughout history, but now I'm giving you a new command. And Peter's like, yeah, 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 command, whatever. Now, I want to know where you're going right now. Isn't it amazing how much like Peter you are? You're like, I want to know now. Give me the answer now. Lord, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. It's fine. I will go wherever. Just show me what it looks like. Tell me right now the future you have for me. And what he wants is obedience right now. If you want to know what to do right now, be obedient. You're not going to know the future. You're not going to know what it looks like. As a matter of fact, I believe for probably 95% of us, if we saw a picture of us in five years of what it looks, what our life looks like, if we were just fully obedient, what would our life look like? It would terrify us because you would be like, what I'm going to be on stage speaking to people. What do I have to offer? I promise you, if you could see the first time I ever walked on stage, I was shaking I was like, God, I don't know how this could possibly happen. The very first time I ever preached, I preached on Lazarus. And I thought, oh, I got this. This is good. And then as soon as I walked up on the stage, I started shaking. I was scared to death. I don't get nervous. I don't have that bone. Like, I just don't get And I would. there was something that happened. When God uses you to do a holy thing, you know it when it's happening. And whenever you you submit and you say, God, I don't, I don't need to know all of it. I just, just, what do you want me to do right now? Peter wanted it all. He was like, show me everything. Peter is like, Peter would have loved Netflix. Because he could watch the whole season all at once. Like, he's hung up on the idea that Jesus is going somewhere, and he doesn't know where he's going, even though Jesus had been telling him all along. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus says, you're going to follow me. You're you're going to follow me afterward, but not right now. Peter wants to follow Jesus now, and he's amazed. It's it's absolutely amazing how much Peter just, he just says whatever he thinks. Like, who does that? Randy does. He can't stop it. And so we just want to, now, give me now, give me now. I want now. That's not what it's about. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. So let's go to the upper room real quick. That's all, we're all there. Peter says to John, Peter's over here. John's right here. Peter says, and obviously I'm Jesus in this scenario. Um, Peter says to John, John, ask him who he's talking about who's going to betray him. And then John says to Jesus, he leans back, on Jesus, and he says, Hey, who are you talking about? And then Jesus says, I'm talking about the guy I'm going to dip the bread with. Just watch. Watch who I give the bread to. And he says it low. Nobody else knows. Says it low just to John. Imagine what Peter's thinking when Jesus says this. Peter's like, it's me. I'm the one that's going to do it. It probably broke his heart He probably thought, oh man, I'm going to betray Jesus. And then he probably determined to not betray Jesus. Have you ever decided you're never going to do that sin again? And then you didn't do that sin again until the very next opportunity you got. And then you did the sin again. How is it that we can not do that sin again? submitting. That's it. Submitting. Peter was, you know, sin loses its power when you're focused on eternity and you're not focused on right now. Peter was still focused on Jesus establishing his kingdom here on earth. He's still focused on the earthly things. We tend to be people that have the same kind of focus. We're so focused on, on the things that take Uh, that that are just right in front of us all the problems that today has we're focused on those so we can get those taken care of so we can do the important things later like we're focused on later we don't want to do the things that take time we don't want to do the things that take discipline like focusing on our health focusing on eternity that stuff that that uh, it's too hard I don't want to do that I'm just gonna focus on today and getting through these problems that I'm having today when you do that you're gonna have more problems You can't just focus on today because if you neglect the important things growing spiritually, you neglect those things, you're going to have more problems later. And those problems are going to seem bigger and bigger and bigger. We are distracted by today. We ignore eternity. And that's what Peter was doing. He was so distracted by what was right in front of. He was distracted by the now. And he missed out on focusing on eternity. We have to be people. Who are focused on eternity not just for ourselves ourselves first we have to be focused on making sure that we are in the right vein that we are following the lord with our whole heart our whole mind with all of our strength we are loving the lord and instantly at the same time we're loving our neighbor as ourselves that we, that we are focused on eternity for our family. We're focused on eternity for the, the people in our community. That we're focused on eternity for our coworkers and drawing them into that relationship with Jesus. Because eternity is what what our eyes should always be on that prize. Amen. God, we thank you so much uh, for your grace and for your love and for your mercy and for the way that you, uh, you continue to just love us as your kids. You're so good, God. You are so good. We we just want to be people that are a light in the community, that we are people who uh, who are, are celebrating you, and as we celebrate you and draw close to you, that other people are going to see the way that we love you and the way that we love each other, and they're going to want to join into that, and by that, their eternity will be changed as well. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.